so sorry. Here, if you have a milkshake, and I have a milkshake, and I have a straw, there it is. That's a straw, you see. Watch it. My straw reaches across the room and starts to drink your milkshake. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. Don't bully me, Daniel. What's up, guys? Welcome to Rotten Potatoes, where four friends review movies that you absolutely should have seen already. My name's Tyler. I'm here with four of my absolute best friends in the world. Three. And who's the fourth one? Three of my <laughs> Echo, the dog. Echo, Echo's the here. dog's here. Yeah. Uh, she doesn't say much, though, on this podcast. Uh, I'm here with three of my best friends in the world uh, and some of my favorite people to talk about movies with. Uh, why don't you guys say hello? I'm Scott. I'm uh, I'm Jake, and I just want to say how hurt I am that uh, when I try to suck noise into the microphone, you don't let me. But when Daniel Day Lewis does it, it's fine. When you win three, uh, nay four Academy Awards for for Best Actor, then you can. I'm halfway there. <laughs> You've won two. Yeah. Nice. I'm Zach. <laughs> <laughs> He's not. His feelings aren't hurt at all. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're going to be doing, uh, there will be blood. And, um, I was making a face, uh, Scott, you looked at me confused as I was making a face. I think we forgot to end the last episode, letting people know that this is the movie we were going to do. It's a bummer. We we'll have to tweet it. You know, yeah, I, well, you, at the very beginning, you said that we were going to do it though. Oh, okay, great. So it did at get least mentioned. I said it. Yeah. Well, I, I want to give a special shout out to uh, my friend Tyler, who's not me. Uh, I, I have a friend also named Tyler. Sure, you have other friends. <laughs> this is a special shout out, Tyler. This episode is for you. Uh, our first episode dropped, uh, Stand By Me, and uh, he told me that his favorite movie was There Will Be Blood. And uh, so I tucked that away and made sure that we would uh, review this movie. And so I nominated this one. I'm really excited for us to talk about it. And I just want to say I also know Tyler and know that my view of this movie has no change in my view of you. I still love you. I think you're great. I just don't feel that way about this movie. Why would he have thought that? Maybe because that's like he really it's his favorite. If I came up to you and you said, hey, this is my favorite movie of all time. And I just said, I hated it. I'd be like, yeah, sick. (laughs) (laughs) That kind of that already happened. You hated Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. Jake's favorite movie. My favorite movie of all time that I give a three, I think. (laughs) (laughs) A three out of a ten. Yeah. (laughs) I wish it was out of ten. It was out of a (laughs) hundred. Oh man! Well, I'm I'm excited about doing this movie. Uh, this was uh, written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, who is one of my favorite writer directors. Um, he's one of the few out there that routinely writes uh, and directs uh, his movies. Like he does both both roles, um, and I I love him. I, I think he's so great. Uh, Zach, do you have a uh, do you have any Paul Thomas Anderson thoughts? Okay, the, I this is I'm ashamed right now. Um, this is the only Paul Thomas Anderson movie I've ever seen, uh, and I know that that's bad coming from one of the two quote unquote film buffs out of us. But uh, it's bad. 
I know it is. I know it is. Um, if I'm being completely honest, the first time I watched this movie, um, it it just didn't connect with me. Uh, and I, I could appreciate it from a technical standpoint, um, but I, I don't even remember the last time I watched it. It was a while ago, but it didn't click with me. And there's so many other directors that I still have yet to see, like some of their most prominent um, films. Uh, I mean, Jaws included up until this last month that I just, Paul Thomas never kind of made its way. But after this watch around, I think I need to change that. I thought you had uh, come out to uh, watch movies with me and Bradley out in Fullerton that one day when we watched The Master. No, I still haven't seen it. Oh, I wonder yeah. who that was that came out and watched movies with me and Bradley. Just somebody that you thought was Zach. Yeah, right? Apparently. No me. offense to you. <laughs> uh, well, I love Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, he is a wonderful filmmaker. Tyler, uh, what yeah. is this your favorite of his, or would you have another one that would beat this one? The Master uh, really? is my favorite of his, yeah. Okay. Punch Drunk Love is up there. Um that is, I like ironically, no one would ever have expected this, but Punch Drunk Love is uh, starring Adam Sandler. Mm-hmm. Huh. Uh, and it's tremendous. Actually, I think I might have seen Punch Drunk Love. Well, I don't think I've heard of it. So Adam Sandler did two movies right around each other that were actually both really well acclaimed. It was Punch Drunk Love and Spanglish. I definitely have seen Spanglish. Okay. I just, I wanted to put that out that you might be, Uh but anyway, uh, Punch Drunk Love, I love, um, but The Master is just fantastic. Uh, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson directed, wrote and directed that. Uh, It's starring Philip Seymour Hoffman and um, Joaquin Phoenix. Shout out to River Phoenix. I prefer Running Phoenix. You're welcome. Can, can we edit that out? <laughs> we might have to edit that out. Can we just out. kill Scott's audio? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that movie is tremendous. This actually kind of interesting little bit of trivia. This is the only Paul Thomas Anderson movie that doesn't feature Philip Seymour Hoffman while Philip Seymour Hoffman was alive. Mm. Wow. Yeah, uh, they work together quite a bit. Um, Magnolia is another great uh, Paul Thomas Anderson film. I love, uh, and yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman kills it in Magnolia. Um, I highly recommend that one uh, and highly recommend The Master. I also highly recommend uh, Punch Drunk Love. Um, This movie was released uh, December 26, 2007. Um, and I actually went on, uh, Christmas day cause it was released on the 26th, but they, you know, the like nine o'clock screening yeah, pre-released, uh, on Christmas day. I went Christmas day, um, with my mom's stepdad and my two of my brothers. And, uh, we walked out of the movie and we were like dead silent for a long time. And, uh, my older brother just like breaks the silence, like, WTF just happened. And that was kind of like the summation of how we all felt. Um, but the other guys gave this a 91%. Well, and you skipped the, uh, the, the box office and the budget. So I just want to point out $45 million uh, that it made. A million dollars less than Napoleon Dynamite <laughs> for about $25 million more dollars. 
So, <laughs> like, what's really the, That's just the thing you should be investing in? The, and this costs 25. Yeah, this yeah. costs 25. So, about right? 25 million more than Napoleon Dynamite costs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, that's true. I mean, Napoleon Dynamite was a significantly better commercial ROI. success. Like, yeah, commercial success. Why did we make this movie and not Napoleon Dynamite two? <laughs> Who knows? Or Moon Pies two? Scott, yeah. Scott, can you answer that? Why we made this instead of Napoleon Dynamite two? Because Napoleon Dynamite two, I might there was there would probably be a, a large amount of people who would have just killed themselves. <laughs> but I mean, it's after they bought tickets, so <laughs> who cares? So who cares? I would. Uh, I haven't said what I think of this movie yet, but I would you watch this a, a, th- a thousand times more than I would watch Napoleon Dynamite again. All right, all right. Um, so at least it's going to get more than a one point whatever. You one point seven is what I gave Napoleon <laughs> Dynamite. Yeah. Oh uh, man. Well, the other guys give this ninety one percent, and uh, IMDb gave this an eight point six, which ties for I think our highest IMDb score we've ever seen. My might. I think That's tied with the last episode. Yeah. We had uh, Green Mile at yeah. 8.6. Um, this got nominated for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight Academy Awards, and it won two of them. Uh, so it, it was nominated for Best Picture, Lost on No Country for Old Men. It's respectable. Uh, it was nominated for Best Director, Lost to Old Country for No Men. Old Country for No Men? No Country for Old Men. <laughs> I'm not familiar with that one. It was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay, Lost to No Country for Old Men. <laughs> and uh, it won uh, Best Actor for Daniel Day-Lewis. This was a, a, a clincher for him. Uh, this put him in the in the three club. Uh, there were, or I'm sorry, in the two club. There were, at this time, uh, there were uh, only, I think, eight actors at the time this movie came out that had two Best Actor awards. He was phenomenal. Like, I agree. I've seen two movies with Daniel Day-Lewis, and he w- he made both of them. Like, I've seen this, and I've seen Gangs in New York, and I l- loved him in both of them. Like, yeah. it was amazing. Interestingly enough, this lost two Academy Awards to Born Ultimatum. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> What are you going to do? Look, you know, you look, can't I love that, that movie. Paul Thomas Anderson's a great director, but is he? he's no Paul Greenglass. That's true. That's true. Uh, he. Uh, this movie lost uh, best sound editing and best editing, uh, picture editing, uh, to Born Ultimatum. So there you go, cinema world. Uh, so really, this movie was a failure. You know, didn't make more than Napoleon Dynamite, didn't beat the Born Ultimatum. Yeah. <laughs> Why are we watching it? I I uh, I mentioned best actor I think, for Daniel I think Day Lewis. Tyler has turned the podcast off. Oh yeah, <laughs> Tyler Tyler's shoulders slumped when I said that. <laughs> oh man, this uh, this one best actor for Daniel Day Lewis. It also won best cinematography. Uh, oh, so it lost it lost one more for art art direction yeah, to, to Sweeney, to Sweeney Todd. Todd. Yeah, which I uh, I get. I mean, Sweeney Todd had pretty impressive art art direction like it was very beautiful in a dark way yeah so uh well i nominated this movie i've been talking enough so i'll just say uh i really liked it uh this is a a very this is i would say a quintessential film uh if we're going to compare film to movie uh this is a quintessential film loved it a lot 
Uh, Zach, you had seen it before. I had seen it before. Yeah, it's been it's been a while, probably like seven eight years or so. Um, and I liked it the first time I watched it. Uh, but like I said, it didn't super connect with me. Um, and then this time watching it, uh, I remember thinking to myself like, I don't know what I was thinking. This is this is like a perfect film. Uh, mm. It it was just I was blown away. I was really blown away. Before we were recording, we were kind of talking about the length of this movie compared to the green mile. And I, I told you guys that the, gr- I could feel the length of the green mile. This was what, two, two and a half hours. Uh, yeah. and I did not feel the length. Um, man, I just loved it. I loved everything about it. So you, uh, you've said that I've heard you call it one other movie, a perfect movie. It was the social network. How would you compare those now? Like, do you think you still like social network better? I do. I do like social network better, but I don't know if I'd be able to say that one is objectively better than the other. It kind of it kind of comes down to preference. It, it'd be like two amazing bands, but you're still going to kind of pick the one that just hits your palate more than the other one does. And it's a very different style of movie it's, too. It's oh, very, sure. This oh, yeah. is this is slow and deliberate, and I mean, there's no dialogue till like 15 minutes in the movie that was something i took note of like i was watching and i was like okay they've not said anything and then i kept like pausing it to check the time and i was like they've still not said anything there's probably i, but I, I loved it i even i even i'm sorry real quick i even turned to scott when we were watching this and i said don't worry there is going to be speaking in this movie <laughs> there's probably as much i liked it better before there was okay there's probably <laughs> at least like the same amount of dialogue in the first two minutes of the social network is there as there is in the first 20 minutes of there will be blood. It's so the first 30 minutes. Yeah. Maybe the first 45, <laughs> Possib- maybe even an hour. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> it is a very different type of movie um, for different moods. And that's why I, I could, I'm comfortable calling them both perfect because they kind of fit. They're the perfect option for when you're in the mood for either one of them. Um, I I might actually say that this is objectively uh, better than Social Network, and I gave Social Network a ten. You said what, the Social uh, Network was the only perfect film you'd seen. I know, and I'd for I'd forgotten how perfect that because I've only seen this once before, and it was in theaters. I watched this on its release day, and I haven't watched it again since then. Hmm. And watching it again now, you know, I was 17 at the time and watching it again now uh, at almost 30. Yeah, uh, you can appreciate having a lot more film experience. um, I would say that this is uh, or uh, yeah. Uh, I might I might rate this higher. It uh, I, higher than perfect. <laughs> higher than perfect. All yeah. right, that's gonna be tough. It felt <laughs> it felt very Kubrick to me, Stanley Kubrick. Especially, I don't know how would you from the Office. Okay, I don't want to give away a whole lot, but it's so interesting that you say that. Um, so the very last scene of the movie is in a bowling alley, mm-hmm. and uh, Paul Thomas Anderson actually wanted to redo the bowling alley that's in this house. He wanted to to um, renovate it for the bowling alley to be completely white. So as to allude a little bit to Clockwork Orange. Interesting. So I think Paul Thomas Anderson took a lot of Kubrick's, uh, you know, uh, energy for this movie. 
I, as we're watching the beginning 10 minutes or so, uh, it felt like similar to how I felt watching the beginning of 2001 A Space Oddity. Yeah. With, with, Odyssey. With, uh, Odyssey, yeah. That's just the crossover with the Bowie song. <laughs> did I say, did I say Oddity? Yeah, you did. You did. Oh, my bad. Uh, they felt very similar. Um, I think Johnny Greenwood's score, Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead, I might add, um, I thought his score was, was perfect for the tone of this movie. And really helped drive home that kind of Kubrick, creepy, eerie vibe. Very unsettling in the best way possible. Yeah. And I will say, uh, we've already kind of mentioned a few times that Daniel Day-Lewis was perfect for this role and just absolutely nailed out of the park. But one of my favorite aspects of this movie was also Paul Dano. Oh, God, I think Paul Dano is one of the most underrated actors working today. And... Him just uh, duking it out with with Daniel Day Lewis was like, I mean, I'm so out of the sports world that I can't even think of two boxers. But like watching two like of the most famous boxers in in a boxing Sh- match, Sugar Ray and Muhammad Ali. Sure, I hope that that's accurate. Um, it is that that would be a great that would be a great combo. That's how it felt for me, and I'm so excited to see Paul Dano in the new Batman movie. Who's he going to play in the new Batman? He's going to play the Riddler. I could see it. Very excited. That's probably going to be a good good movie. I think that Robert Pattinson is going to be a good Batman. I think he will, too. I think so, too. And I'm excited for it. And I think he did great in Twilight. And a Cedric. I feel like I'm I'm noticing a pattern Mostly that, a Cedric degree. that Scott has seen like one movie from one actor, and then that's he <laughs> just assumes that they are like that in every single movie. This was actually my first Daniel Day-Lewis movie I've ever seen. I was going to say, because you were not impressed by him, were you? I wasn't, and I even said this to Tyler last night, like this is my first, uh, what's his name again, Daniel Paul, Day-Lewis? Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, <laughs> you just said it. <laughs> I know, and I forgot it. Um, but it's my first Daniel Day-Lewis movie I've ever seen. And so for me, I was unimpressed with him. Um, but mostly because, like, I don't have any frame of reference for what he's done and other things or what he sounds like normally mm-hmm. or, like, how he acts normally. And so I don't think that that matters. It does because, like, I felt like his, like, the way that he portrayed the character was a little unbelievable to me. I mean, I, I, I just, I found myself thinking about his acting throughout the entire movie. I think it does kind of matter. I was out of the story. Sure. I think it does kind of matter to Scott's point. If, uh, if you were to go, like, I watched this reel of all these different accents that Daniel Day-Lewis has been able to emulate in different movies and just like watching his other roles compared to this, his range is unbelievable. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, we've heard a little bit already, uh, particularly of, of some of Scott's feedback. So I kind of want to land on it for our late bloomers. So we'll start with Jake for late bloomer. No, I I loved this movie. I it was something that I had like before we had even talked about doing it. I had seen it. Um, just I saw it one on Netflix, and I was like, "What's this?" Um, I'm gonna interrupt you, Jake, real quick to say you you guys are our listeners, our tots are gonna hear some rustling in the background. We have our our two dogs in the room with us, Scott and I's dogs, and uh, uh, so they're they're they've got the zoomies right now and they're playing. And so if you hear any like weird noise, uh, it's just uh, pretend it's not happening. (laughs) It's the dogs and no, no animals were harmed in the making of this episode. Unfortunately. I'm sorry, Jake. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. That's all right. Okay. I thought Um, you were apologizing because like that no animals were hurt. Yeah. Right. (laughs) I'm so sorry that we didn't hurt these dogs. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
really <laughs> into it. Um, but no, I, I really, I liked this movie a lot. Um, it was something that I had seen and I was interested in. So I was super excited when you, Tyler, uh, decided to nominate it. And yeah, I loved like Daniel Day Lewis. I don't know what Scott's on about. I thought he was amazing. <laughs> like, I think he, 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 from like the moment I saw him, I was super, I was like, I was into it. So I loved him. What, what did you love so, about it, Jake? I don't know. Just kind of like that. There's something of like these movies. I was talking about it uh, with, I think Tyler, before we started, like there's something I really like about getting into a, um, like a, just like a long story where you really get like a look at somebody's whole life. Mm. And like, I was written in that epic, I guess maybe yeah. this is what this yeah. is. And I loved him. Like I was fascinated by him and like, I was, I was hooked in and like, even though he wasn't the best, I still was like, sort of on his side most of the time. Mm-hmm. Like, even though I was like, I don't know about all this stuff that you're doing, but I was still like, I couldn't help, but like get drawn into, uh, Paul or sorry, Daniel Plainview. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, into what he was doing and what he was about. And I was, it was, yeah. All right, Scott, what'd you think? Late bloomer. what do you think of this movie? I, I'm slow to like say it's like, a bad movie. Like, I don't think it's a bad movie. I was bored throughout the whole movie. Um, and having not seen Daniel day Lewis in anything else, like I was just like unimpressed and was thinking about like his acting throughout the movie, um, which kind of just pulls you out of the story and you kind of like lose the story. Um, and so, yeah, I don't, I was, I was just bored. I was just bored. I think, it, it it's a fine story. I think there's there's pieces of it that, like, in on paper are great, um, but I just had no connection with it at all. Well, it's a it's a hot take, but we love. You didn't you. even connect with HW. No, I'm not deaf. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't for half the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, uh, we'll we'll jump into a little bit of the uh, the the plot by plot as we have uh, decided to. Uh, I, yeah. So we're gonna take this plot and we're gonna put it by the plot of the previous movie. So we're gonna like <laughs> this by the Green Mile. How come we didn't do Green Mile to Napoleon Dynamite? Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. That, that'll be a bonus episode. Okay. I will also, say this. I I did like hw at the very end when he's having that final like discussion with adult hw yeah when he's having that and he says i'm glad there's no part of me that's you or whatever he says i was like okay cool <laughs> hw it took you about two hours and 15 minutes to yeah, i well i felt the length in this for a long time it was I, about before the first Sentence was said. I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is gonna be rough." I was, I was, you know, fe- and speaking of feeling the length, I could have done more. Like, I was like, "Oh no, it's over." Like, I, I was like, too. "It's 1927." That's no, no, no. Take me back a little bit. Yeah, I did too. I I wanted more of this movie, um, but I I I apologize to Scott afterward. I was like, I knew you weren't going to like this, and I'm sorry. I'm not sorry for picking Napoleon Dynamite. I knew you weren't going to like it. You that. will be sorry because I'm going to pick a movie that I know you just won't like in my next one. Do it. I will. All right. All right. Well, uh, we we kind of mentioned this, but we open up uh, very interestingly for, for a film. Uh, we open up with literally about 15 minutes of uh, of no dialogue. But still like 
story. Like story, in, like story being told yeah. well without the dialogue. Yeah. I, and so, so we have. I'm I'm curious to think because I I mentioned how I, I did love the opening. It felt so Kubrick, and I love hearing kind of Greenwood score at that point. But watching plain view down in that pit i wasn't sure why we were watching that first opening scene what what was it what did i miss well uh so this is a little interesting um this movie is based on a book called oil i forget hmm. who the author was upton sinclair i didn't know oh, that thank you upton sinclair uh this is based on a book by upton sinclair but it's like very loosely based on that book. It's also very loosely based on the actual life of a, uh, oil driller. Uh, Oh, Ed, Harry Edward. No, Edward Doheny. It's not Harry from Armageddon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Harry say, Stamper. When it's I, loosely based on Harry Stamper. I would have liked it a lot more. When <laughs> I heard that we were doing another movie about oil drillers, I was like, okay, so when are we going to space? That was the one flaw that I had with it. I was like, where not, are the nukes? I was like, we're not nuking an asteroid? I'm sorry, what? But then once I moved past that, it was, I had to get over that disappointment, though. No, this is, uh, I mean, I. I say loosely, it, it's it's fair. There's a lot of resemblance between uh, Daniel Plainview and Edward Doheny, um, which Zach, you in particular, would be very interested to know. That's the Doheny that Doheny Beach is named after. Oh, interesting. Surf spot in Southern California. Mm. Uh, he donated the land uh, for California's first public beach, and California just named it after him. And that's who Plainview is is kind of based off of. Yeah. Wow. So Plainview uh, is there's uh, man, just so many connections between Plainview and Doheny. Um, the they both uh, you know were associated with someone named H W. Uh, it wasn't his son, but you know. it was Bush. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and actually, the "I drink your milkshake" was a direct quote from a uh, congressional committee interview where uh, Doheny was accused of bribing a congressman, and the congressman explained drainage with that, <laughs> I drink your milkshake. <laughs> if I have a straw, and uh, you're over here, and my straw reaches across the room, I drink your milkshake. That's that's a quote from Congress. Did the congressman make that slurping noise? <laughs> I yes. don't think he made the slurping noise. Did he go, drainage? I drink. It up. <laughs> I that makes so much sense because as much as I love that line and I do really love it, uh, I just remember thinking like that this is the wildest way to describe this concept. And like where it made where would sense to me. <laughs> where would like I was like, yeah, okay. Where would PT get this? PTA. Yeah, so uh Paul Thomas Anderson literally took that from uh That's pretty a, cool. an element of Doheny's life. Uh, and but one of the big correlations is that Doheny tried his hand at uh, uh, mining for gold uh, before he got oh, into oil. Oh, gotcha. and uh, Plainview was mining silver, right? M Plainview is mining silver, and so that that was really what uh, Paul Thomas Anderson was doing in that first little bit was really telling a little bit of Doheny's story. Gotcha. Uh, of trying to mine and then eventually not doing very well and switching to oil. I think they show like, I think there's like something that comes across about Plainview when he's doing the mining and he, uh, like he ends up breaking his leg. Yes. Mm -hmm. But he brings the silver up. 
Yeah. And then he brings it into town and he's sitting there with his leg in a splint yeah. while they're cutting him a check for yeah. the silver that he mined in. Like, it's just kind of like this, like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make it. I'm going to do what I need to do. Dedicated. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, really the, the, the movie, uh, finally gets, well, I guess it still doesn't have dialogue still in this point. Uh, Plainview switches to mining and one of his workers, uh, is, uh, accidentally killed in the mine, uh, with Plainview in the mine. Or in the, not the mine, the, the well. That's how uh, I, watching that scene, I felt how Jake described the scene from Jaws. I knew it was coming, but I still was so tense just waiting for it to happen. Yeah. Those, those yeah, I did not know it was coming. I was like, oh, yeah, no. The, there's not a lot of violence in this movie, but when it is, it is brutal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and and I love that it's violence that is... Uh, I'm going to call it inert violence. Like it's not violence between two living creatures. It's violence between, uh, physics, physics, an inanimate object Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and a living person. And, and really what it is, is it's violence between, uh, Daniel Plainview's drive and a living person. Yeah. Hmm. And that's really the theme of this movie is Daniel Plainview's drive is the unstoppable force and the immovable objects around him are the living people that are around him. Hmm, that's, a, that's a really interesting way to look at it. Uh, and so w- right away he does that again with then taking this little kid that was the son of the man who was killed. We don't know because there's no dialogue. We don't know if this little boy uh, had a mother and Daniel Plainview just kidnaps the kid. Because there's kind of an, uh, maybe an allusion to it where uh, later in the movie, somebody asked him, where's his mother? And he said, I don't like to talk about that. I don't like to talk about that. Yeah. And so we don't really know uh, what the story is behind that, but nonetheless, uh, Plainview takes the kid, and he, we see it throughout the movie, but he explicitly says it at the end that he took the kid for no other reason than he uh, needed a uh, a pretty face for his cons. That's interesting. Like I wonder, like I wonder about that, and if that was really what he was saying, uh, really what he did. Like, because I felt that in the beginning of the movie, I was like, maybe he just took him to be like a good selling point, but he seemed to have some sort of spot in his heart for kids. Like when, uh, when it's revealed later that a little girl is being beat by her dad and he puts an end to that. Yeah. I think, I think he does. I think he has a very conflicted relationship to all people. Yeah. I think he was just hurt by the decision of his son to do something new in New Mexico. And so he said that just to hurt him back. Yeah. Mexico specifically, not New Mexico. Sorry. Did I say New Mexico? Yeah. Yeah. That's okay though. Um, but yeah, so uh, we we really pick up the first dialogue in the movie. So he takes the, you know, he, he's with the kid, and then all of a sudden we flash forward several years, um, and uh, we see uh, Daniel Plainview uh, it at a uh, sort of like a town hall meeting with H.W. by his side, and he's trying to uh, buy land he's now an oil man like you know very uh you know we assume successful and he's trying to buy land and he gives this great speech about how that we hear time and time again that you know i consider myself an oil man and you may you know 
grant me that and and uh, yada yada yada. And the town freaks out and he walks away. But he doesn't walk away because he has any sort of scruples. He walks away because he wants easy targets. Hmm. And uh, and then we get introduced to Paul Sunday. Well, I was confused at this. Um, were, were they twins? They were yes. twins. Okay, yeah. that, I feel like that didn't get addressed. That was my biggest problem with the movie was it like, confused me for a little bit. <laughs> no, th- totally. So this is actually super interesting. Zach, go ahead. I was going to say, I, th- I think they did mention that, didn't they? Maybe I just missed it then. Not really. They don't really overtly address it. Um, but he says, like, but, my brother Eli, and then we see Eli. Yeah, that was towards the end of the movie, and I was like, I was finally like, oh. No, he says okay. my brother Eli at the very beginning. Paul. Paul does. Yeah, but, Paul we're, not, says, but we're not sure if he's lying or not. We're not yeah. sure if he's lying or not. Because Eli, they look the same. They look the same, and Eli, to me, immediately seemed dishonest. Oh, well, so and you... Later on... So you thought maybe later, it was the same character. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Got well, it. and that's how initially that's how I felt is that maybe Eli was, you know, because we see later on that Eli really is kind of a con artist. And uh, and I thought that maybe this was a con. And, and even uh, Daniel is very shocked when he first meets Eli because he looks just like Paul. I think I. Yeah. That's why I was kind of like, why are they acting like nobody's around? Why are they acting like this? I think Paul, you know, Paul very like much so wanted to give the information, get his money, and get out. I don't think it... It just didn't make any sense for me that he would put himself back in that situation later. And so I, well, I kind of took it from the beginning that they were twins. It's kind of interesting. Uh, Paul Dano was initially only supposed to play Paul. Oh, wow. And when he shot the scene for Paul, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson just flipped the script, fired the actor that was supposed to play Eli, (laughs) changed the entire script for them to be twins. That was a big part of the movie. Like, that would suck for that guy who got cast to play Eli. (laughs) But honestly, it was probably a great call. Like, as much as I hated, as much as I hated Eli, like, he was great. He was tremendous. And so, uh, that was only four days before uh, Paul (laughs) Dano had to start acting... Eli's lines like mm. he he had four days to really learn Eli's lines his character all of that where Daniel Day Lewis had three years what wow yeah. Daniel Day Lewis had three years to really get into the character of of uh Plainview and that's one of the things that is so Daniel Day Lewis is um he's a uh a method actor uh, and so he really like becomes his character. Tries to become the character, yeah. Uh, and Similarly to like Jared Leto. Jared Leto, <laughs> maybe a little yeah. less insane than Jared Leto, <laughs> but well, I hope. Here's the thing, Jared Leto. Similar to Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, I would say I, <laughs> Will Smith. I would liken it more to like I'm gonna make I'm gonna turn the jokes into something more legitimate. I would liken it more to Johnny Depp. Like Johnny Depp is also a car- uh, uh, method actor, um, and I think does a killer. I I love Johnny Depp. I think he's an incredible actor. I'm still laughing at Arnold Schwarzenegger being a <laughs> method actor. Just a solid actor, you know. <laughs> That's what I know him for. It's his acting. <laughs> I just know him for yelling "Go Chargers" at Chargers games. 
I just know him for yelling, get to the chopper. Mm. <laughs> I've only seen uh, the second most recent Terminator movie. Have you guys seen, all seen That's Predator? That's what we're talking about. I That's, isn't that what get to the chopper? Oh, that is Predator. Is Predator. You're right. I, I'm sorry, I have seen Predator. I only know him I was for screaming, put my cookies down. <laughs> from Kindergartner Cop? From Kindergarten Cop. Oh. No, from uh, the other Christmas Jingle All the Way. Oh, Jingle, Jingle All the Way. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, uh, Paul Dano did that role with four days. Like That is impressive. Lead, which is super impressive because as much as I think Daniel Day-Lewis was tremendous, I think Paul Dano should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Oh, most definitely. And should have won. Have have Yeah, he should. Like, he wasn't? He wasn't nominated? He wasn't nominated. Do you know who else was that year because uh, i actually really liked him like in his acting in this movie i know i kind of said like i was unconvinced by daniel day lewis but i thought he was actually did a great job yeah so that year javier bardem won for no country no country for old men which okay. i agree with yeah it, it, javier bardem was tremendous in that movie um, also nominated that year was Casey Affleck for uh, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. I haven't seen that movie and I really want to. Oh, w- I'll nominate that. Uh, it's really good. And Casey Affleck kills it. Philip Seymour Hoffman that year for Charlie Wilson's War. Uh, Hal Holbrook for uh, Into the Wild. Uh, which wow. That's... I, I, that, was, that would be a tough one for me. I loved him in that. Yeah, he's great. That's a and then, that's an intense slew of actors right there. Oh yeah, and then Tom Wilkinson for Michael Clayton, uh, which I, I liked Michael Clayton, but I thought that um, uh, um, gosh, I'm blanking on his name. No, 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 oh. no. Uh, Casey, oh, um, Javier Bardem. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Uh, the main actor of Michael Clayton. Oh, George is Clooney. George Clooney. George Clooney. Thank you. I thought George Clooney stole the show. Like mm. Tom Wilkinson was good, but George Clooney stole the show. Have you guys seen um, any other movies that Paul Dano is in? Yeah, yeah. B- I besides mean, you, know you, Tyler. I have, yeah. I don't think I have, but I just. It was funny. Right afterwards, Netflix showed me a trailer for some movie that Paul Dano is in. I feel like I have because he looks super familiar to me, but I couldn't place it when I I feel like he's he at least was most famous for Little Miss Sunshine. Yes. One oh, oh, I've seen you know Little what? Miss Sunshine. I've seen about 30 minutes of Little Miss Sunshine before I dropped out. Maybe I just was in a weird mood, but I it's did a, not like so it. That much. It's not he was the brother that was like wanted to get into the Air Force and so he'd taken a vow of silence in yeah. Loma Sunshine. He's also in Prisoners, which is he tremendous. He is so great in Prisoners. Uh, and uh, he's also in, this is like not really, <laughs> this. Th- I feel bad naming all these movies and then saying this, but my first uh, exposure to him after this movie, after There Will Be Blood, was um, uh, The Girl Next Door. And I really liked it. Uh, it's more of like a, it's not, it's a movie. It's not a film. It's just, you know, very throwaway. But I really liked him in it. And that was when I Is really. Is he the main in that one? No. Because I've seen that one before too. The Girl Next Door. No, he was the 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 friend, Stitz, I think was his character's name. Uh, the main was, um, I'm blanking on the main actor's name of that movie, but he was also the main in uh, Emperor's Club. I thought you were going to say Emperor's New Groove. I was like, that's <laughs> David Spade. Get it right. Paul Dano also played Brian. Oh, he's in Looper, too. He's in oh, that's yes, right. He is, in Looper. he is in Looper. I did not like Looper very much. Ooh, I really liked Looper. Oh, and, and 12 Years a Slave. 
I don't remember him. I he's don't remember him. Yeah, he's one of the racist he's white guys. The, he's one of the the ranch hands. Yep. Like he's one of the 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 like the discipline mm-hmm. guys. I um I hate to be enforcer. This, that's the word I was looking for. Hate to be this guy, but uh, we have so much movie to cover. I was <laughs> just thinking about. I was just thinking about it right now. We have a lot of. Go- we have a lot to I'll go. I'll say real quick. He's great in Love and Mercy. Tyler, I don't know if you saw that. I did. He uh, plays, uh, plays Brian Wilson from The Beach Boys. Oh, and he did a really good job. Well, we almost didn't. Uh, I guess all this is to say we almost didn't have him really much in this movie. Yeah. Um. But uh, so we uh, we move on uh to uh you know several families uh that well Paul uh points him to the Sunday Ranch. Uh, Paul points him to the Sunday Ranch, which is his own family home. Paul, uh, Paul's own own family home, and uh, uh, Plainview decides to to buy that land uh, with some tension and objection from Eli. Well, he he goes there under the guise of uh, dove hunting, quail, quail hunting, quail yeah. hunting, yeah. Uh, quail hunting with HW. And I didn't. I don't know why he went. I mean, I guess he went in with secrecy because he didn't want people to know he was prospecting for oil. But like. This guy didn't seem to, uh, the father Sunday, I forgot his name, didn't seem that savvy. And so like, I feel like, yeah. e- like even after it came up the oil, he was like, didn't, he let it go for a, a song basically. Mm. Like, so I don't know why he kept up that ruse for as long as he did, but. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I guess just because uh, Plainview is a con artist, that's just what he was. Mm-hmm. He was a con man. And, uh, and so, uh, he ends up getting that land and then buying most of the land in the area. Everything that, uh, Standard Oil hadn't bought. Except for Bandy Ranch. Except for Bandy Ranch. That's right. Uh, and so, uh, he ends up striking oil there and, uh, decide, and and in the midst of that, his son, HW, is injured and loses his hearing. Mm. There's a there's a big accident. Like, I don't exactly know what caused it, but there was a huge fire on the well and there was just fire spouting up out of the ground. And it, I was a shot that I really liked the look of just him on his knees, looking out over the, um, the, the oil everywhere and the fire. And that whole scene was pretty, it was was pretty amazing to watch. Yeah. Pretty big plot point too, that we kind of skipped over with the bandy ranches. The guy asked for to see him in person. Yeah. And he just didn't declined. He said yeah. he'll come around and mm-hmm. then kind of forgot about it yep. in all in amidst all the excitement. Well, yeah. Cause kind of later in the movie, he's like, why don't I own this? Yeah. And it's like, well, that was the guy that you said he'll come to me. And you know, do you want me to go talk to him now? But anyway, that whole scene um, uh, with the explosion and whatnot um, was uh, if if someone were to ask, like, why did this movie get nominated for cinematography? I'd show that scene. Well, it's so funny. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson actually owned a uh, 1910 Path camera, which has like built into it a 43 millimeter lens. So it was a a historic camera and a historic lens that was sort of retrofitted in order to capture uh, several scenes throughout the movie, but in particular a lot of that sequence was captured with this 1910 camera. That's wow. really interesting. That's pretty cool. I think that it, that kind of makes sense. I'm not super savvy with this kind of stuff, so correct me if I'm my understanding of it is wrong, Tyler, but I remember thinking to myself, like, this movie, it looks so great. It looks so clear and crisp and perfect, but it also looks so timeless. 
Like it yes. also looks like yeah. it could have been made in the nineties somehow. Um, yeah. When it first started and I knew nothing about the movie, I thought it was made in like the seventies or eighties. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Totally. It definitely has like that it quality. looks just it looked just like Indiana Jones to me. Yeah. The, and one of my favorite lines after all that's going on and uh Daniel is kinda getting a little crazy. Um in his one of his like second hand guy, what's that guy's name? He's kinda like the guy that's always kinda doing stuff for him. Yeah, yeah I forget his name. I forget he says name. like he I, says is HW okay? And he just so casually, no, he isn't. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and I think, yeah, that was... There's something so unsettling. Well, and, oh. and and right before that, right before that, the, the line before that is just so, like, uh, juxtaposing, is he says, what do you look so sad about? We're sitting on an ocean of oil, yeah. and no one can get it but me. And then he says, is HW okay? And he says, no, no, he isn't. Yeah. And he says it so, like, he, like he's not bothered at all. It yeah. The line almost made me kind of chuckle a little bit. And it it's kind of funny, but also just so unsettling. Well, and then we push in on his face, and I love how uh, Paul Thomas Anderson uh, like captured and then kind of colored it that his face is entirely like beet red and black. Yeah, like it just looked so animalistic and brutal, and you know, yeah, yeah. just dark. This movie, like just watching it, it. I was trying to figure out, like, why do I like this movie so much? And it, it just, so often it produces such a visceral reaction to what I'm watching that it's almost kind of hard to describe how it makes me feel. But yeah. unsettled is, is, like, the best adjective I think I can think of. And that and shot so particularly definitely ev evokes that. Oh, yeah. And so along the way here, we have uh, a lot of rising conflict between Eli and Daniel. I'm sorry, say, go ahead. I would say I think we missed kind of the, the one of the big points in that conflict was yeah. that like after all was said and done, he bought all the land and he was going to put the first well up. Uh, Eli said, because Eli is like a charismatic preacher. Yeah. Like, and he's like asking for money for his church uh, and all this stuff. And he says that he needs to bless this well. Yeah. Where things are going to go wrong with it. And he said it's a very important blessing. And then Daniel just snubs says him. He, he says he's going to do it and he completely snubs him. And he says he blesses the well himself. With uh, Eli's little with sister. With his little sister, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he brings up Eli's little sister and uses Eli's words against him, looks right at him and says, a proud daughter of these hills. Yeah. Mm. Because Eli said, introduce me as a proud son of these hills and I'll bless it. And uh, Daniel's in the conversation with, with uh, Eli is pretending to placate him and go along. And then when it comes down to it, he, he totally snubs him. And uh, that's some of the conflict, but we have more, uh, you know, uh, <coughs> a, one of Daniel's workers dies in the well and he had become a, a sort of fervent member of the church of the third revelation, Eli's church. And so they have a, a real conflict uh, there about that, where uh, Eli reminds him, you know, this could have been avoided if you had let me bless the well. But before that, we have this tremendous, probably the ultimate uh, performance of Paul Dano and the penultimate performance of the movie of Paul Dano giving this sermon and 
pulling arthritis out of this woman and throwing it out at the doors of the church. It was so chilling. Like his performance was so believable. Yeah. Like I didn't, I didn't like him the second I saw him. And then yeah. from that moment, I was he just like, has a hateful face. I was just he does, so like, very weaselly. Yeah. yeah. No. I was so like, it was great, but I was, I was so unsettled by him. I was like, Oh gosh. Yeah. I hate this. I hate watching this. I don't. I want it to be over, but at the same time, I'm like, all right. He's good. he's yeah. so hateable that it makes you uh, sympathize so much for Daniel Plainview, who is not a good person. It's crazy, awful. <laughs> yeah, because he's he's not great. But then at the same time, I was like, I want Daniel to beat. You him want so him bad. to win, yeah, yeah. And like that's why I was like, when uh, when Eli comes up and he's like saying something like, "This could have been avoided if you would have let me bless the well," and then Daniel just starts smacking him up, <laughs> and he's like, "You're a healer, right? You're a healer. Why don't you go heal my boy?" And I was like, yeah, give it, give it to him. And then he's yeah. just like covering him in oil. I was like, I was just so excited at that moment. I was, yeah. I mean, he's he, like, I'm going to drown you in this. Yeah. Like <laughs> he says like, uh, just very, very intense. Well, uh, uh, HW is, you know, because of his injury at the well, he's now deaf and is, uh, you know, at, uh, at home and struggling with his new debilitation. And along this time, uh, a man shows up claiming to be Daniel's half-brother. And he comes Henry. up. And it, this Henry. was uh, one of the things that, maybe the only time I was taken out of the movie, and I don't think it was through anybody's, he said, I'm your brother from another mother. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, that <laughs> didn't seem to fit. It, uh, it was just a little, I don't think Paul Thomas Anderson knows uh urban slang very yeah. well it really took me out of it for a second i was like oh and it's just one <laughs> okay. of those things i wonder if like saying something like that and that time like would have just been a normal thing to say you know yeah 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 sure uh and without but it context, was kind of funny yeah yeah it was uh but he uh he turns out to be yet another con man in daniel's life yeah he um had shout out to the mummy <laughs> you can't give two shout outs to the mummy In for the episode. same guy. <laughs> well, it just did. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he, uh, it turns out had known Daniel's real half brother. And then he had, his real half brother had died of tuberculosis. And yeah. so he took his journal and he came and he met Daniel and he just wanted work and he wanted money. Yeah. And he spends a and lot I of time with Daniel. He does. Yeah. And Daniel really trusts yeah. him. He brings him along to important business meetings. Um, and that, and then they're having a conversation. They're like in the ocean and then they're sitting on the beach and Daniel says something about something that like their past life, like something in their hometown, like the peach dance. And then he doesn't seem to know what it is. Mm -hmm. And I think that's when he's like, Oh, I don't think this is who that I that look thought it that was. Daniel gives him is, oh. <laughs> is as well chilling. Yeah. Oh, it's bone chilling. Yeah. And it's it, because it's just so, once again, Daniel Day-Lewis communicates more without words than he does with words. Just in his facial expressions. And I, it's, you know, like, it's scary. I think Daniel's one of those guys where if you cross him, you're dead. There's no second chances. Plain view, you mean, yeah. Yeah, sure. No, Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> if you cross Daniel Day-Lewis, <laughs> oh, I mean, gonna hopefully be he doesn't listen to this <laughs> when, when he's method acting as man. plain view, then that's true as well. Yeah, that's true. That's when he's yeah, when he's method acting. Yeah. Uh and I think that this it's kind of funny, the beach scene. I I really love that given a little bit of the research that I did, because I think it's another nod to uh to Edward Doheny 
because they have this interaction at a beach uh-huh. and it was Edward Doheny donated Doheny beach to uh-huh. uh, the state of California. Um, I think it was very, you know, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson being a little on the nose, letting us know mm. this is this man that I'm talking about. Um, but he ends up killing this man. He wakes him up from sleep. Like they're going to survey the, the what's it? What's the ranch? Bandy uh, or whatever. The Bandy. Bandy. Yeah. The Bandy Ranch. They're going to talk to Bandy. And then he wakes him in the middle of the night and he's like, ask some questions. And he decides, and he finally admits like, hey, I'm not your brother. And he just shoots him. Yeah. And he buries him. And then he's woken up by Bandy. Before Bandy, before we get to that point, I think we skipped over that um, uh, Plainview sends his son away as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't did skip that. Oh, I hated that scene and like... I don't understand why he did it the way he did it. It seemed so unnecessarily cruel. Mm-hmm. Where like I know his son didn't understand him, but when he was like, "Okay, I need to go talk to the conductor. I'll be right back," and he just leaves. Yeah, I think it was cowardice. I agree. Yeah, I, th- I think it's- I think that uh, that uh, Plainview is, and and really all con artists are are at their core fearful and cowardly. I think this was a situation that Plainview didn't have a solution to. He couldn't he couldn't conquer this obstacle. And so the easiest way is just to just get rid of it. Yeah, dismiss mm-hmm. it. Um, so after this happens, Bandy wakes him up. Uh, after the murder, Bandy wakes him up and and uh, he tells him, I'll give you my land if you uh, take the blood of Jesus. Well, he says something interesting. And I kind of was like, he says, I know your sin. And I was like, does he know that he yeah. just killed his brother or like, I don't know how that worked. Like, how did he know or like what happened? But like, he's like, I know your sin. You need to confess. And well, he's and like, the, what sin? Yeah. And then he hands him the gun that he murdered his brother with. Yeah. And it's like, I know, like, I don't know how he knows either, but he knew somehow. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was on his property. Well, he must've been around cause he has his gun. Yeah. Well, I think he probably took the gun off him before he woke him up. But yeah, totally. Like he he knew he knew what happened, and uh, and so Daniel Day Lewis has this, uh, or I'm sorry, Daniel Plainview, the actor Daniel Day Lewis, but the character Daniel Plainview has this uh, moment, probably the one of my favorite scenes in the movie in this church of feigning uh, conversion mm-hmm. while also genuinely struggling with the notion that he abandoned his son. Yeah. And he's just, he's up there getting and like Eli seems to be really relishing the opportunity to just humiliate he's him. Just yeah. slapping the Slap crap him out in the of face. him. Yeah. And, and it's making just him getting revenge for what he did to him down in the oil. Yeah. Yes. And making him repeat over and over and over. Uh, I, I abandoned my son, which Daniel Day Lewis then pays him back in kind for later in the movie. And he, he says something to him. And I don't, we don't know what he says. We don't know what he says. But he walks up and he whispers to him something at the end. And then immediately Eli leaves. Yeah. Well, in his face, his whole demeanor yeah. changes too. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that, that like, I don't know, that was kind of like another, like, like the, who is this guy? Like, what's, like, he just said one thing and this guy picks up and leaves. He's gone. Yeah. And he didn't seem like that flappable. Yeah. No, definitely. And so uh, we, uh, uh, you know, a couple little more things happen after this, but but uh, ultimately uh, Daniel ends up building his pipeline 
in a union with uh, uh, Union Oil in a partnership with Union Oil ends up building this pipeline uh, that he had envisioned for for years, and H.W. Uh, comes back uh, into his life, and and uh, he they go to uh, they go to this bar and order food, and uh, it was kind of funny. He orders two steaks, whiskey for me, water for him, and this is just kind of funny. But every Wednesday night during uh, uh, during editing uh of the movie paul thomas anderson and the editor uh would eat steak and vodka Hmm. uh to keep in the mentality of daniel plainview like during the entire editing of the film every wednesday night they would just eat a steak and straight vodka that's kind of cool it is kind of whiskey well, most of the time in that scene, he orders whiskey, but most of the time we see him drinking uh, vodka mm. out of, like he's drinking vodka out of the, uh, out of his flask. You remember mm. he pours vodka into, into the, the milk, milk for his son, for his yeah. son to drink. Uh, and like at the last scene, uh, he turns down the whiskey that uh, Eli offers him and just takes this ridiculous handle pull out of a bottle of vodka. Yeah, that was wild. I was like, He's going to puke, right? <laughs> he was sloshed for sure. He was certainly an alcoholic. Uh, Plainview is certainly an alcoholic. Um, but uh, he's sort of accomplishing everything that he wanted to accomplish. And uh, we have a little bit of a flash forward now at this point. Yeah, we cut to an adult. Um, HW. An adult HW who is marrying the the little girl mary who was a sunday yeah um and he then goes to meet with his dad who uh, daniel who was not at the wedding i don't think was he well we don't see him but we don't see any uh attendees really at the wedding um he's meeting with him and he wants to dissolve their partnership it seems like him and hw have built a big business partnership and hw just says like this isn't about you i miss working in the fields and well and and i uh, everything that you're saying is more consequential to the plot but i just want to point out that like in this flash forward we see this enormous mansion that Plainview has built for himself like he's clearly wealthy and and he's clearly bored he's like shooting and he's and alone he's shooting like his own furniture. Yeah, I was say it's enormous and it's very empty and it's mostly dark. Like, yeah, mo- yeah. there's not a lot of lights on. Like, he's pretty much the only one there, and he's having this meeting with a translator because he never learned to speak sign language. He never bothered. Yeah, and um, you know, HW is leaving, and he feels like HW is leaving him, and he had, a, I guess, never told him that HW wasn't his real son. Yeah. And he throws that in his face. He says, uh, what does he say? You're, you're a bastard, bastard from a basket. Yeah. And he keeps yelling it at him and yelling it at him. And then he's like, you have none, none of me in you. And so you're going to fail. Like, you're just my competition now. And then HW walks away. Or he says, like, I couldn't be more glad that I don't have any of you in me. I thank God yeah. that I have none of you in me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what a powerful scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, that, that is, yeah, what a powerful scene. And then we have the, uh, I guess, real climax with no falling action. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the falling action is just him saying, I'm finished. <laughs> so uh, 
who comes to call now, but none other than Eli. Eli, and he's dressed in duds, like he's looking shiny gold or shiny like silver cross on his uh, on his neck. Yeah, he's a radio preacher. He's a radio preacher, and uh, you know his uh, his skill at uh, conning himself and everyone else around him has has come to bear very well for him. But it's 1929, and it's now we're in the we're in the depression. And Daniel's still doing very well for himself on Turns all his oil. Turns out oil is depression proof. Yeah. Uh, but radio preaching and whatever sin Eli had got himself into. Well, he talked about his investments. So yeah. he was yeah. for sure in the stock market in some way. Yeah. Eli was here to con Daniel, though. He was here to con Daniel yet again. He was like, I'll, I'll let you go in with us on the bandy ranch, me and the church. And then Daniel like kind of plays along with it. And he said, I'll go in with you if you admit that I'm a fa- that you're a false prophet and that God is a superstition. Yeah. And then he just has him do it over and over again. Like he was doing in the baptism. Yes. And he's, he, you know, he's just like Eli's weeping. And then Daniel reveals, he's like, there's no oil there anymore. Like that, that, that's that scene that we took from the beginning. He's like, he like, was it called drainage? Drainage. drainage. Yeah. And he's like, I drank your milkshake. And then he slurps at him, you know, um, <laughs> But that was that was the best part. I love. Oh, it was such a powerful I scene. I love it. I love how he enunciates every word. I love how he says across the room. So it's kind of interesting. Uh, Daniel Day Lewis actually uh, he spent a lot of time looking at histories from that time period uh, in order to create Plainview's uh, voice. He he did uh, a great job. Like he he listened to a lot of recordings from the early 1900s from that area, uh, in order to build the voice of Plainview, hmm. uh, and I, man, I thought it was so, f- man, just fascinating how, uh, how he drew drew out some of those uh like consonants and 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 especially I guess the syllables, um. Throughout his entire performance, mm-hmm. but it culminates in this moment for sure. I think uh, I think it's impressive when uh, you guys might disagree with this, but for me, this is probably my favorite scene in the whole movie. And I think oh, I same. Oh, I think too. it's so impressive if you can make a movie two and a half hours long with so many great, amazing scenes, and you're still looking forward to the very last scene. Yeah, yeah. It was th- for me. It was this scene, or it was the scene with the accident. Yeah, like in yeah. the. Though, like, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he ends up, uh, you know, I mean, obviously he he puts Eli in his place um, and is relishing the ability to, to tell him, like, you have nothing. Like, I've got nothing for you. I, I drink your milkshake. I, I own all the oil underneath Bandy's land. And then he ends up chasing him around the bowling alley and... Uh, Eli's pleading essentially for his life, uh, reminding him, I'm your brother-in-law. I'm your friend. I'm your old friend. And he ends up hitting him, like pegging him (laughs) with a bowling pin and then picking up a bowling pin, beating him to death. And then the butler comes in and says, Mr. Daniel. And then Daniel just says, I'm finished. (laughs) I'm finished. 
Because during that whole thing, he's eating too. He's eating. He's yeah, eating he's eating his whatever dinner. it is the butler had brought him. Before. Steak. It was steak. Yeah. He well, he was before he was eating that he was just passed out on the bowling alley. <laughs> That's true. Who, yeah. who do you? But then he was eating. Who do you think eats more steak, Daniel Plainview or Uncle Rico? That's Ooh, tough. That's Probably tough. Uncle Rico ate like a whole cow, apparently, <laughs> according to Napoleon. <laughs> it's like you're eating all our steak, and they had a fresh cow. <laughs> yeah, so. Lila just killed that cow <laughs> in front of those kids. <laughs> I I think Daniel Plainview eats more steak just because he's so wealthy. Yeah, and he's he's probably not worried about colon cancer or whatever you get from too much red meat. No, yeah, no, probably not. Uh, but yeah, that that's uh, that's there will be blood. I have this thing, and like I don't know why I was thinking this the whole movie, and I know you guys are gonna disagree with me, but the whole time I was like, I want somebody to say there will be blood at some point in this movie, and I don't <laughs> know why. I was like, I just want it so bad. Well, I I appreciate that because uh, as soon as he beat. Uh, Eli to death. I told Scott, "There will be blood." Like I did yeah. it. I did it for the movie. So I, just, I wanted it so bad. I, that was a little bummed when it ended. I was like, "Oh, nobody said it." Zach, did you watch this with your wife or by yourself? I watched it by myself. I I don't think okay. Kate would have liked this movie. That that was that was gonna be what I was gonna ask is what did Kate think? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well. Uh, I am. I, I think it would be sacrilege even more than uh, our last episode, uh, the Green Mile. But uh, it is our. Uh, it is our, our segment recast. Recasting. That's tough because like the the two main perform- they were they were phenomenal and I can't see like the two main performances anybody doing it. I, I have a couple. Or even as good. I have a couple of people in mind. I don't think anyone would have been as good as Lewis or Paul Dano. Um, but I think that there's a couple of people that could have come close. I think Colin Farrell could have made a good Daniel Plainview. Ooh, that's a... I love Colin Farrell. That's a hot take, but I don't hate it. I, I think Colin Farrell can do crazy and can do it believable. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I, I don't agree. know if he could have mastered the... Uh, the uh, j- the the specificities that made Plainview as rich as it was with with Daniel Day Lewis. Here's what I would say to that: I would say that Colin Farrell could absolutely do the the height of Daniel Day Lewis's performance. I don't think that he could have done the trough yeah. of Daniel Day Lewis's performance. You know, yeah. the 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 uh, speech that he that Daniel that Daniel Plainview gives to the people of, uh, I forget the name of the town. Um, I don't, little Boston, little Boston. Yeah. Yeah, Little Boston. The speech that Daniel day Lewis gives to the people of little Boston, he improvised Hmm. really. It was completely improv. Uh, and I don't think that Colin Farrell could have done that. You know what I mean? Those, low energy moments I don't think he could have delivered on but I do agree with you that he he probably could have pulled off the the heightened uh the heightened moments of uh plain view who came to mind for me for Eli and Paul was Daniel Radcliffe oh I could see that I, yeah I think he could have uh, it, it would have been a different character and I do think the character sure. is that much better for having been played by Paul Dano but I think he could have done something with it. I think it would have been interesting to if if we could have like done played a little bit of revisionist history and had Paul Thomas Anderson write this movie 
for Stanley Kubrick to direct. I think it would have been interesting to, oh, to watch man. that. That would have been really interesting. Jake, what do you think? Scott's looking up uh, some actors. Yeah, I'm right interested now. to hear Scott's uh, comedy. I am too. Most, I'm most interested to hear Scott's when, comedy when we remake. This as a horror movie. <laughs> as a horror movie. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty close to a horror movie. It would have to be a comedy at this point. It was a rom-com. That's true. <laughs> when Scott we do a we do a rom com and uh, we bring in Tom Hanks to be <laughs> Daniel Plainview and then somebody like Meg Ryan to be his love interest and then she's helping him care for H W. I'll tell you what, if this is a rom com, I like John Cusack even more than Tom Hanks. Okay, yeah, All right, yeah, uh, John Cusack and uh, what's her name, the chick from the Mummy. Oh, I don't remember her name. <laughs> I know who you're talking about, but yeah. I don't know her name. That the, they have a love interest. Um, Jake, do you have any? Uh, do you have any recasting thoughts? No, it's so hard. Like the the two performances that I keep thinking about are, I feel like impossible to replicate or top for it. But like, I'm trying to think about for minor characters, and that's not anything I would have thought about. I got nothing. I really don't. Yeah, I I honestly I. It, for me, like, I don't hate uh, what you propose, Zach, but it honestly, I just can't even bring myself to, uh, to like, propose uh, different actors for those two. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny. I actually want to point out uh, Dylan uh, Frazier, uh, who plays H.W., mm-hmm. uh, was not an actor and is not an actor. He was just an elementary student in uh, the that was like in a town in West Texas where these two movies were, where this movie was shooting. I said these two movies. I'm gonna give two random facts at once. But um, uh, yeah, Dylan Frazier was not an actor. He was just a student, a little kid, and Paul Thomas Anderson just kind of ran into this kid, loved him for the role of H.W and convinced his mom to let him be in this movie. And uh, she didn't know anything about Daniel Day-Lewis and watched, uh, I don't remember which movie it was of Daniel Day-Lewis's that she watched, but she was horrified. (laughs) It might've been Gangs in New York. It's a real good movie. Uh, but she was, I think it was, I think it probably was gangs in New York and she was horrified. (laughs) She was like, I don't want my son anywhere near this. And so the studio rushed her a copy of several other of his movies (laughs) where he plays much more normal people. And she was like, okay, he's not crazy. (laughs) Like he's just a, a good actor. Um, but yeah, that kid was not an actor. He'd never acted before. And I thought HW did a great job. Yeah. I feel like he didn't have a whole lot of stuff to do when I'm thinking about it. Like Not like most of like, yeah. like a, a lot of it he was deaf. And so like he didn't have any like lines to give. But that's even harder. Like yeah. it's harder to act as someone who is disabled if you're not disabled. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh like I think about um well I was thinking about something and I completely lost it. But it's harder to to oh uh it like uh uh like Gary Sinise and Forrest Gump? <laughs> no. No? Uh, like Tom Hanks and Forrest Gump. Or like... Uh, Breaking Bad. R.J. Mitt. Yeah, like uh, he does have cerebral palsy, but not as bad as the character has it. And so he had to like up it. But no, I was thinking about um, uh, 
gosh, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, Revenant. Leo. Leo. Gosh, I couldn't think of Leo DiCaprio. Oh, and What's Eating Gilbert life. Grape? And What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Like, that's a hard thing to do. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it either, but I've... Oh, it's very it's, good. I've heard it's very it's good. It's decent. But I, I, that I think is really impressive that he was able to act without words for, you know, a quarter of the movie. Uh, but yeah, recasting, I don't know that I could do really a whole lot. So, Scott, you've had some time to give us your, yeah, your masterpiece. It's going to be a hot take. So. You're going to see Don Cheadle on his phone right now. It's going to be a hot take. <laughs> I don't have Don Cheadle on my screen. It um, was just being funny. Um, I would do Jeremy Renner. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Cause, wow. Because he's a good singer. Oh, is he going to perform like an original song for this? Yep. yep. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. And I would do. What uh, is he? What is you know? I think he? I think he would be Daniel. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think Jeremy Jeremy Renner is just as cruel to his own kids in real life as Daniel Plainview is. To his. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I think I think Jeremy Renner s Jeremy Renner. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Jeremy Renner is Daniel, and uh, Doug Hutchison as uh, who is that? It's Percy from the Green Mile. <laughs> oh. <laughs> As uh, what's his name? Eli. Eli. Yeah. I I could see the latter. The, the Percy <laughs> or the uh, the uh, the Renner one was the, the hot take. That's sure. a hot take. I think you know, like Bill Murray. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Murray today. Yeah. Or maybe Bill um, Murray now. What's yeah. his name from uh, SAW? From Blue Bloods. What's his name? Tom Selleck. Oh, Tom, Tom Selleck. Selleck, young Tom Selleck. You know what? I don't hate that. Like, I could see Tom Selleck. He in could this look role. the part, uh-huh. but he could not be. He's too noble. He is very noble. That's a great point. Like, That's why I picked Jeremy Renner because he's not noble. <laughs> he, true. Jeremy Renner has no morals. <laughs> Dude, what do you mean? He just needs that money because of the coronavirus, <laughs> so he can't give it to his kids. <laughs> you know what? I I will do a. Uh, I'll do one casting thing. It was the uh, the the right hand man, the one who ends up actually taking HW to the the deaf school. Oh uh-huh. yeah, uh, I would love to see Benedict Cumberbatch in that role. That is a hot take. <laughs> I don't love it. Why? I don't think I love it. I don't know. He just looks so just too British dainty. For you. Well, the thing that I like about him, I'm thinking about him in 1917. I've not seen that yet. I really want to. Oh, okay. You should. But his, I mean, it's a very brief role, but his role in that, uh, like, just very hard and very, I don't know. I could just very much see, and I love Cumberbatch, and I, I just really want to like see him, him in too. more things. I think he just has a seriousness about him that I think he could have uh, done that role better. You know, like... Just think about smog. That probably plays into this, right? Oh, absolutely. Being the dragon. Yeah. Smog. But yes. Smog makes it sound like a <laughs> California ailment. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's do uh, let's do our, our Rotten Potatoes rating. Do we uh, want to do G, favorite moments, favorite lines? Uh, yeah, we're running out of time, but let's do it real quick. Uh, I drink your milkshake. It's my favorite line. Okay. I'm Zach? glad there's nothing a part of you 
Oh, that's that great. was that was yeah. almost mine. My uh, that probably is my favorite line. Um, but I love uh, Plainview just burned Eli so great when he said, uh, "Paul was the true, the chosen one," or something like that. And he says, "You're yes. you're just the afterbirth. You're the afterbirth. They should have put you solid. in a jar on the yeah. mantle." Yeah. Oh, that was so. That was great. a great burn. I think my. F- my favorite line and favorite moment is actually a Paul Dano moment, and it's uh, him in the church uh, casting out the arthritis out of the woman. Uh, his performance there, his entire monologue there is just perfect. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Have you uh, had enough time to spin up the servers, Jake? Yeah. You know, just hit a few keys and nothing broke, so... What's up? So it's uh, you've automated this yeah. now. Yeah, that's impressive. All right, Zach, what do you give this? Um, I give this movie a nine point eight slurped milkshakes. Scott, five point one oil slabs. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm sorry. What? <laughs> that's lower than you rated Zisu. No, Zisu was in the fours. <laughs> I five point eight five. Oh my gosh! Right, well, that just Jake. threw off the whole rating. Well, um, I'm gonna go ahead and give it nine fake half brothers, <laughs> and uh, I'm gonna give this nine point nine deaf sons. Hmm. All right, so this uh, this movie <laughs> because of entirely because of Scott is an eighty five percent on rotten potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst take any of us have had on any movie. I, I don't think. think so. 100%. <laughs> yeah, no, that Five? for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's average. It was average for me. Five is an average. Five is an F. Five dude. is failure. <laughs> also, also, <laughs> also, once again, we are at Rotten Potatoes. We are not rating this movie how we enjoy movies, but how we think that movies are executed. And Scott gave this a Five yeah, I gave execution. Social Network like a nine or something. <laughs> I, didn't. I didn't like that movie. I didn't give it that high. Well, 80, <laughs> 85%. 85's not bad is, still. It's Can we put most, that with an asterisk? It, we will put it with an asterisk. <laughs> is the most Have we posted any of our other rankings? No, I assume yeah, the Tots I, are doing it. I This is, uh, well, this has a verbal asterisk then for... Uh, we don't know where Scott's head was at. It's an 8.5 under protest. <laughs> under under extreme protest and duress. 5.8. Oh. Well, he gave 5.1. I said 5.1. Oh, did you seriously? Oh, gosh. Yeah. That point one is insulting. <laughs> I'd rather just yeah, Exactly. <laughs> I gave him 5 point because it's better than 50%. <laughs> wow. Gosh. Just Wow. Go watch whatever Marvel movie. (laughs) (laughs) It was boring. I said at the beginning. Oh my god! (laughs) So, so just so we're clear, this is in Scott's mind a worse movie than Independence Day. Barely better. I would rather watch Independence Day than this movie. Yes, but But it's it's still about what you like. It's about what it's you. You think that I rank everything on how I like it. Why none of the rest of us are? That's how I've ranked every single movie. That's not this podcast. That's exactly what it is for me. I'm about to walk out. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's all right. Well, yeah. There you have it. 
this would have been a 96 or 98% on Rotten Potatoes, but thanks to Scott, it is an 85% on Rotten Potatoes. <laughs> thanks to his 5.1 rating. Uh, we love you guys. Thanks for listening in, Tots. Uh, make sure to tune in with us next week. I think we're doing, are we doing Jake's Yeah, movie? we are going to watch The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Which I can't wait for. I haven't seen it. Uh, I think none of us have seen it except for Jake, right? Mm. So we have a Dirty Harry over again with uh, this another one. Clint I Eastwood have watched role. more recently, and I do still love. It's one okay. of my favorites. You know, it it's a movie I've seen pieces of, and it's a western that I absolutely should have seen. It's of. like three and, and a half so hours long, right? It's super long, but I there's don't always know. at least one ridiculously long movie that we pick. That's true. Got to have them. So join us next week. Uh, Make sure to tune in uh, to our social media at Rotten Potato Pod, Instagram and Twitter. Let us know what you guys are thinking about this movie. There will be blood. And give us any thoughts that you have about the good, the bad, and the ugly if you've seen it before. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. And uh, Zach, do you have any final thoughts for us? Yeah, um, I actually do. And I'm getting to it. Uh